Hello, listeners. This is the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. My name is Isaiah. Joining me today is Walker, as always, and our special guest today is Zach Bauman. Zach, it's good to have you here. Glad to be here. For those of you that are new, we want to take a few seconds and explain what this podcast is all about. Our goal here is to look at worldly, worldly perspectives, or excuse me, worldly issues through godly perspectives or through the eyes of Jesus. We, want to, we try to hope to change your perspective on things that are happening around us and put your center and put the center of your life on God. Zach, how about you go ahead and give us a brief little introduction for those at home? Okay. So I guess initially I should say that I am a new Christian. Um, I was taught the gospel and baptized in November of 2020. And since then, I've kind of made it my goal, I guess, to teach others the gospel in whatever way that might be. Um, and if it be God's will, I intend to go to New Zealand after I graduate college. Um, and I'm here at Freed Hardman this year. Um, but putting all plans and things aside, I am just thankful to be here with Walker and Isaiah today and to be a fellow servant of Christ alongside brothers. Uh, and that pretty much sums it up. So thank you guys for being here. Yes, and thank you for being here as well. And, you know, um, Isaiah, you know, the last time that we were together, we looked at the real problem that was facing our world. And we talked about how sin is something that we struggle with every day, just like we're currently struggling with COVID-19 and how sin is a, a spiritual issue that we need to um, ultimately get a hold of and to um, search for the cure for. And because if we don't cure this spiritual disease, then it has eternal consequences. And the last thing we want is to suffer an eternal consequence for not handling an issue that we know how to handle. And so during this episode today, we are going to look at um, the greatest magician. And the greatest magician is not Harry Houdini in this episode today. Although he was a very good magician, he we're, he's not going to be the guy we're focusing on today. Instead, we're going to be focusing on this guy named the devil. You may have heard of him before. Um, he's another main character mentioned throughout scripture. And he is one that is ultimately the the tempter and the one who uh, leads us into the sin problem. And so we have to be willing to look out for his schemes and the way that he plans to uh, come into our life and to affect our lives. And so that's going to be our main focus for today. Absolutely, Walker. You know, it's, it's interesting that we when we talk about the devil, we, we sometimes don't think about what his plan for us is. We, we focus a lot on what God's plan for us is, and, and we should do that. Right. But we don't focus on what the devil's plan is. And I think we can find that in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil's out there looking to destroy us. That's his plan. That's his purpose, is to destroy us and to uh, get us to sin and to tempt us. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, Walker and Zach. We're going to be talking about temptation. Right. And I think it's important to just go ahead and lay it out here at the very beginning. And that way we're clear throughout the whole episode is that we, whenever we're talking about temptation, we want you all to know that temptation is not wrong to have in your life. It's not wrong to be tempted. And it's not a sin to be tempted. Sin comes into play whenever you fall for the temptation. So we want to make it clear that if you are tempted, there's nothing that you're doing wrong. It's just how life goes. But if you fall for the temptation, then that's whenever it becomes an issue and it becomes a sin issue. So uh, that's something um, we want to throw out there just to make sure that we're all on the same page going forward. Um, but, you know, 
whenever we get back, we're going to be looking at the types of tricks that the magician or the devil in this case performs and how we can go about uh, handling these tricks and what are some strategies that we can use in our everyday lives in order to help uh, better equip ourselves to face the challenges of the devil. So we'll be right back in just a few moments after this short break. Welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. Before we left for the break, we were talking about the greatest magician. Again, unfortunately, not Harry Houdini. We're talking about the devil, the tempter, the father of lies, as he calls him in John chapter 8. Uh, and we've got a question for you, Zach. How has the greatest magician been able to trick you in your life? So, I hate to say it, but Satan has tempted, more, tempted me more times than I can even count. Uh, temptations are a given in life, and we, we say that in passages over and over again, but um, we'll get into some of those passages here in a little bit. But for now, I just want to say that the problem isn't being tempted, as Walker said it earlier. It was letting temptation sit, and then it forth later bringing on sin. Um, that's when the problem occurs. Um, and so for me personally, uh, temptations might include, like, he might say, that I'm not good enough. He might say that I am good enough. In fact, that I'm perfect in a span of five minutes, and I can believe both. Um, and it's okay to do just this little one sin. It's not a big deal. You know, it won't affect anyone long term. Um, and really, these are just a few examples. And it's important to note too that Satan deceives and lies. And I just fall for these tricks way too often. And so, hopefully, through looking at these passages here, we can see how to defend ourselves from Satan and his tactics. We thank you for, again, for coming on, and we thank you for being so open about some of the things that you've had to deal with as a, as a Christian. Uh, as we've been calling him, Satan is the great trickster, right? He's the magician. He plays tricks on people. He deceives people. And I think it's interesting for us to note that Satan doesn't have any new tricks. He's been using the same tricks over and over and over again. The only thing he does is put a new pretty wrapping on it, yeah. right? I mean, it's the, it's the same, it's the same thing. It just looks different now. And uh, we actually can find all of his tricks summed up in just a couple of verses in first John chapter two, first John chapter two, uh, John tells us in verse 15, verses 15 through 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So John is saying that there are certain things in life that are from God, and there are certain things in life that are from not God. They are from Satan. They are from the, the great trickster. And these things are the desires of the eyes, the desires of the flesh, and the pride of life, as some translations say. And what is the desires of the eyes? Well, it's the things that we lust for. It's the things that we covet for. It's the things that we are greedy for. It's things that we look at and say, oh, wow, I wish I had that. Oh, wow, if only I had that. And then we also have the desires of the flesh, you know, things that we lust after, things that are, you know, maybe necessary to this earthly body, but are a distraction to us. They are a way that he can get us to stop focusing on God. And again, doesn't necessarily have to be something that we need to function, right? It's not like we're not allowed to eat. It's not, allowed, not like we're allowed, not allowed to drink, but Satan can get us to do things 
like that in, in that nature that get us to take our focus off of God. I mean, it also has the pride of life. And I really appreciated what Zach said earlier about being arrogant, being boastful, uh, being selfish. Uh, and, and that's a trick that Satan has played on so many people and will continue to do so. And like I said, that's all he's got. He has no tricks. If we can learn to, to recognize the desires of the eyes and the desires of the flesh and the pride of life, and we can learn to recognize what those are and what those look like in our lives, we can be so much better off as Christians. I, I totally agree with you, Isaiah. And I think that uh, while you were reading the first John two fifteen through 17, um, I was looking at some of the cliff notes in my uh, Bible and underneath the pride of um underneath the pride of uh, the flesh, it talks about um, pride and possessions. It's also referred to as that as well. And so we know we can find pride in our possessions. And I'm reminded of uh, the rich young ruler who had all his possessions that he stored up and he didn't want to give up any of them um, in order to follow Jesus at the time. And he was so attached to his possessions at the time that he was, uh, that he had so much pride in his possessions. And I feel like and like you were saying, that's just one of the few tricks that the devil can use. He can he can give us all these things in our life and he can say that you need this to uh, survive or you need this to lean on or you need this to get you through your life. In all reality, we don't need any of these possessions to help us get through life. All we need is God and to let him help us and not let the magician fool us any more than what he needs to. And, you know, this all goes into the devil feeling our hearts with lies in Acts chapter five and verse three, um, we find a very good passage that talks about this idea of the devil filling our hearts with lies. And it says, uh, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy spirit and to keep back for yourself, part of the proceeds of the land. And while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your disposal? Why was that? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And so we see here the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And Ananias uh, had the similar issue compared to the man, the rich young ruler. And he was having issues um, with his possessions. And so Satan filled Ananias's heart to lie. And he ultimately saw the consequences of what his lie had done. And so the devil does that in our lives every single day. And so we need to be mindful of the lies that the devil places in our hearts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think it goes back to the verse that I referenced earlier, John chapter eight and verse 44, that literally calls Satan the father of lies. Uh, we go back to Genesis chapter three and we see the serpent deceiving Eve and, and lying to her and saying, oh, if you eat that fruit, nothing's really going to happen. It's, it'll be fine. You don't need to worry about it. And, and, you know, we have the first lie there. And we, and honestly, the first sin right there that we have recorded. Right. And then from there, the world just became so deceitful. Mm -hmm. and because I, I believe the John passage also calls Satan the father of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, John chapter 8 and verse 44, uh, that reads, you are of the father of your you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. 
So he's not called the father of the world in that passage, but I believe he is in another passage. And if I'm not, uh, if, if I'm not correct about that, please, one of the listeners, correct me. Um, but the point is, Satan lies right. all the time. And that's how he gets us to believe his tricks. That's how he gets us to believe his deceit. Is It's a lie. Yeah. And it's important for us as Christians to recognize that God is truth and there is no lie in him. Right, Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 and Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18 both explicitly say God cannot lie. Right. And meanwhile, Satan is the father of lies. He lies all the time. It's one of those paradoxical statements, you know, where everything he's saying is a lie. Yeah. Don't think too much into that. <laughs> but the point is, who do we want to trust? Mm-hmm. The person that, or the, uh, the God that literally cannot lie or the devil who is the father of lies. Right. And that, that's a very uh, that's a very good point. And like you were saying, it all comes down to it, who we want to listen to. Do we want to listen to God or do we want to listen to the devil? And how, and I guess another big question for us is how can we avoid, avoid from being fooled? I mean, the devil is going to constantly try to use the same tricks on us over and over and over again. And so we have to constantly be on the ready in order to, avoid or attempt to avoid those tricks that's placed in front of us. So Zach, how do you strive to avoid the tricks that the magician attempts to perform on you? So there are a number of ways that you can do this, but I personally, um, one of the biggest things that I do is I take myself out of the situation. Um, if you, if you don't put yourself in the position of vulnerability, then there's the the temptation is the temptation is much less at that point. Um, so for example, you're with a group of friends and they're going to be at a party tonight and you know that they're going to be drinking. Um, and along with that, there'll be possible peer, peer pressure um, with other factors. And if you don't go to that party to begin with, then you never put yourself in that position to be peer pressured or to be tempted at hand. Now, I mean, you could be tempted in other ways, but that's, that's a very practical example um, that can be applied in lots of different areas is just removing yourself from the situation as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and another few examples here is just spending time in prayer, um, in the word and with other Christians, um, who are firm believers in the gospel and servants of Christ. And this, these are all great resources of strength against Satan. I definitely agree. And I think it also starts with us recognizing our tendency. You know, we all have a rhythm to our life. We all have tendencies that we tend to do and follow, Um, throughout our lives. And so we need to recognize the tendencies that we have. And if you want to, on your own time, look at James chapter one and verse 14. That's a very good passage in order to look at and recognize the tendencies. Uh, And it talks about this idea of recognizing your tendencies. And so, um, and we need to be able to recognize our tendencies so we can resist the tempter or the magician um, with the word of God. And I think Isaiah alluded to the Hebrews four and verse 12, or Hebrews 4 and verse 12, or you, no, I'm sorry, you, you referenced Hebrews 6 earlier, but in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, he talks about um, resisting the tempter with the word of God. And so we need to be able to do that um, in our everyday lives as well. And because the Bible is truly the greatest weapon we have and that we have been given. And so we need to use it to our advantage and not let it just sit on the coffee table and collect dust. Absolutely. Uh, that passage that you uh, reference Hebrews chapter 4. I think it's worth our time to, to look at it and to read it. Mm-hmm. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I want to especially focus on that beginning of that verse. The word of God is living and powerful. Living and powerful. We hold that in our hands. We hold the power of God in our hands when we have the scriptures. And most of the time, like you said, we set it down, we walk away, and we forget about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of us have Bibles on our phones or multiple copies of the Bible at home, and we don't use it. It's, 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 it's foolish. I mean, if you were in battle and you knew that you were really, really good with a sword and not so good with a spear, <laughs> and you ignore your sword, you leave it at home, what's going to happen? What's going to happen, Zach? <laughs> I think we know the answer to that question, but if you're not trained with a spear and you are trained with a sword, then your odds aren't good. You're not fighting the battle with your best weapon. Absolutely. Our best weapon. I love that you said that. Our best weapon. We have our best weapon right here. And, and I think it's interesting, and I'm going on a little tangent here, and I apologize, but it's interesting that we have so much ready access, easy access to the complete inspired word of God. Like I said, I've got multiple copies back in my room. I've got one on my phone. I can Google it anytime I need to. And it's just, the early Christians would have done so much just to have half of what we have, just to have half of the New Testament that we see. And we we ignore it. We let it sit. We let it linger. We let it pick up dust. And as I saw on a church sign one time, the devil's not afraid of a dusty Bible. (laughs) Amen to that. In fact, <laughs> he rejoices when he sees a dusty Bible. Because you right. know what that means? It means the person who owns that Bible doesn't care enough about what God says to read it. Amen. He doesn't care enough about what really matters. Mm-hmm. And so Satan knows he's already got that guy. He's got him in the bag. Mm-hmm. Right? He doesn't have to work as hard to, to tempt him, to throw him off his game. He's already won. And we need to make sure... That Satan can never say that about us. That that we never have a dusty Bible. That we never have a faith that he's not afraid. Or that he knows that he doesn't need to attack because he's already won. He should be afraid of us. Because the word of God is living and powerful. Right. Amen. And... Wow, that that was good. I like that. (laughs) That that was a good tangent you went on because that hit the nail on the head right there. And... uh, you know, like you were saying, we we need to be one who are well known or we need to be ones who use the word of God to our advantage and not let it collect dust. And I think Jesus was one of the greatest people to ever do it because he was the perfect example that uh, walked the face of this earth. And he was the one who uh, showed us the way and how to handle temptation. And uh, we're, we're running close on time. So I'll reference Matthew chapter four. But in Matthew chapter four, we see Jesus being tempted by the devil and there Jesus is faced with a variety of different temptations that the devil offers him. And he is led up on top of a mountain and he's tempted to be, uh, he's tempted to jump off or he's tempted to be, uh, jump, jump off the mountain. My words are not with me today. And he resists the devil with it is written. And he provides scriptural reference to why uh, that is not so, or why he should not do that. And it, and it just amazes me about how uh, well-versed that Jesus was. And I know that that seems like an ironic statement because he is the son of God. So 
he he should be well equipped in that sense. But what if we had the knowledge and the and the power of scripture like Jesus had, and we we knew the verses that we needed to know, and we were well equipped, and we studied to show ourselves a worker approved unto God in order to handle the temptations in our life. I wonder how different our lives would be. And you know, as we've looked at Matthew four, and we we read that passage, Zach, how can Jesus's responses? How can his responses and you know, uh, it is written in Matthew 4, help us overcome the temptation in our life. So in Matthew 4, and you you elaborated on this a little bit, but we read that Jesus was tempted a number of times. In Hebrew 4, Hebrews 4, 15 says that though Jesus was tempted, he was without sin. And I mean, you, you went on this a little bit, but how did he do that? How did Jesus face temptation in this passage um, and, and though not sin? I mean, you know, we saw that he used the he used scripture. He used um, the the reference that it is written. Right, exactly. Every time that that Jesus was faced with temptation in this passage, he went directly to scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't rely on his own understandings or his own will, but he went directly to the Word of God to fight these temptations. And I think that's we should do nothing short of that if we're going to fight this battle of temptation is to go directly to the Word of God, our biggest strength. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I really like what you said there. And I think when it boils down to it, Jesus had the right focus, right? Jesus was focused on God and serving God and letting God work through him. And I think sometimes, especially in this life, like we talked about earlier, the devil throws a lot of distractions at us. And it's important for us to be able to take a step back and say, okay, I know there's all these things going on, but I need to figure out what's really important. I need to refocus. I need to refocus my mind, and refocus my heart on serving God. And I think we find a really, really good verse, uh, you know, in this, in this conversation in Romans chapter 12, the beginning of Romans 12, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul says, as Christians, it's our job to sacrifice our lives for Christ, to live our lives for him. And then we're not supposed to be changed by the world, but changed by the word, Mm -hmm. changed by the word of God and focus our minds on him and on what he has said to us. I agree. And I think whenever we refocus our hearts and we refocus our minds on God, it can help us resist the trick that the devil is trying to offer us for sure. You know, Zach, what is the hardest part about temptation for you? It's, it's honestly probably trying to put God's will above my own. Um, and, and that's, that's something that I've always struggled with. And with temptation is, is to put God's will above my own, to realize that God has his best interest out for me, and that when I follow his will, and it aligns up with his will, um, my decisions, that is, that it has the best outcome. And, you know, when I'm faced with temptation, um, it's usually, it it seems enticing. It it seems nice, it looks nice, uh, but the consequences of my actions aren't apparent in the moment. And Paul even says in Romans 7.15, that he doesn't understand why he does the very thing he hates. And that's been an important passage for me to read and, and realize that that even Paul sins, the great Paul, 
of the New Testament sin time and time again, and he didn't know why he does the very thing he hates. And I think it's it's probably just putting God's will above my own um, time and time again. It's it's hard for me to keep myself in check in that way. You know, you, you bring up a really good point that, you know, all people sin, right? I mean, we look at Paul as one of the great Christian leaders that, or one of the best Christian leaders that we've ever had, mm-hmm. you know, just short of Jesus himself. And yet, if you think about it, Paul's just like us, right? right? He's a regular guy trying to do his best to serve God. And he's going to fail. He did fail. We are going to fail. We have failed. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to fail. And it's just, it's beautiful to think about the fact that God still loves us. Right. Even though we sin against him every day, even though we go against his word every day, God still loves us. And he still wants us to be with him. He still offers us that chance to be with him if we just try to follow his word. That's right. You know, he says in John 14, 6, I think we referenced this in the last episode, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but through him. And so we need to constantly... uh, seek his word in order to help guide us through temptation. Um, Another person that I'm reminded of who faced temptation and overcame temptation was uh, Joseph. Joseph in Genesis chapter 39, he was faced with the temptation in Potiphar's wife. And he was put in the situation where he had to make a decision on whether he was going to fight or if he was going to flight uh, or run for it. And so whenever we get back, we'll focus more on Genesis chapter 39 and we'll look at some other passages and we'll see um, what decision we should make whenever we're faced with temptation. Should we fight or should we flight? And we'll look at that as soon as we get back. We'll see you in just a few seconds. Welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. Right before we left, we were talking about flight or fight. What should we do when we encounter temptation? Should we fight the urge or should we flee the situation? And I think in Scripture we see two situations that are very similar it had very, very different outcomes. We mentioned uh, Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. And in that chapter, Joseph is uh, working under Potiphar in Egypt. He had been sold into slavery, bought by Potiphar, and now was ruling over Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife looked at Joseph and saw that he was young and saw that he was handsome. And so she tried to get him in bed with her. And Joseph did the smart thing, did the right thing. He didn't try to fight her. He didn't try to talk her down. He left. He ran. He got out of there as fast as he could. Mm-hmm. And that is the perfect response because we see what happened. We see that God glorified him through that choice later in his life. Now, that choice had some pretty uh, dire repercussions in the moment. Right. I mean, Joseph was sent to jail because Potiphar, uh, Potiphar's wife accused him of raping her. Right. But in the end, it worked out for Joseph better than he could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And then we have the opposite side of the spectrum. We have David. And David with Bathsheba. And, of course, David was on his rooftop and saw Bathsheba bathing, and he saw her, and he lusted after her. Now, this isn't said in the text, but judging by what we know of David, knowing that he was a man after God's own heart, he probably tried to fight that temptation. He probably tried to to get her out of his mind, to, to throw that image away, and to stop lusting after her. He tried to fight the temptation. And we see what happens. We see that he was unable to fight it. He could not win that fight. And so he ends up bringing in Bathsheba and sleeping with her and impregnating her. And and then David tries to cover up his sin by sinning again, which, side note, not a good idea. 
So he brings Uriah back home from battle and says, hey, go home to your wife. And he's like, but if I go home to my wife and no other soldier who's still at the battle can go home to their wife. I mean, that's that's not fair, right? So Uriah, we see, of course, is a stand-up guy who refuses to, to, uh, to go home to his wife. And uh, David has him killed in battle for that. And then we see what happens to David. We see that uh, he was tormented through the birth of his son and through the death of his son very soon after. Uh, and we see from passages like Psalm number 51, just how sorrowful David was and how painful this was to him and how he much he knew he, that he messed up. Uh, and Psalm 51, if you ever get a chance uh, to look at it, I would strongly recommend it. it is a beautiful, beautiful passage that talks about the sorrow that comes with repentance. And hopefully we will be able to hit on that at some point in the future. But the, the point that I want to make is Joseph and David were in a very similar situation. They had a woman that they could go into, right? They, they had a, a, a chance to have sex with someone. And just like them, we have a choice today. We have a choice to serve God and to do the right thing. Or we have the choice to disobey God, to follow Satan, and to do the wrong thing. And we need to remember that every choice we make has a consequence attached. If you obey God, the consequence of that is that you're going to grow closer to him. You'll be better, you'll be a better Christian, you'll be a better person, you'll live more according to God's will. If you disobey God, the consequence of that is that you'll grow farther from God. You'll be distancing yourself from God, and eventually, if you put enough distance between yourself and God, you're going to find yourself at the doorstep of hell. And that's blunt, mm -hmm. but I believe it to be true. Mm -hmm. So we need to ask, are we doing something for the entity that wants the best for us in every situation, or for the entity that wants us to spend eternity in hell with him? Do we want to serve God or serve Satan? We cannot do both. Right. And we need to remember that God is always with us. Satan doesn't care what happens to us. Satan doesn't care that we're suffering. Satan doesn't care that we're in pain. God does. And God loves us. And it's a beautiful passage that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, where we see that God does not allow us to be tempted beyond more than we can handle. And that even with that temptation, God will provide a way of escape for us. We always have the choice to do right. We always have the choice to follow God. Amen. And whenever we are faced with temptation, sometimes we have to flee like Joseph did whenever he was faced with that temptation. But sometimes fleeing can be easier said than done. Um, and so the question is, is, how do we go about fleeing? And I think 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 is something that is notable to look at. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And I think that's so important to remember because oftentimes whenever we're faced with situations in life and we are uh, tempted in various different ways, or, we or we're going through difficult times in life, we're often like, why did God put me through this if he knows that I can't go through it? Well, in that 
passage right here, we, we see that God would never do that to us. He's not going to put us in a situation that we cannot handle, that we cannot escape. And so he knows what our abilities are. He knows what our strength is. And he hopes that during whenever we're faced with these difficult situations that we'll lean on him and that we won't lean on our own understanding. Because if we lean on him and we let him take control, then we will be able to endure any situation that we're faced with. But like I said, that is easier said than done. And oftentimes we're going to fail whenever we're faced with various things in life. We mentioned earlier about how all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And whenever we do fall for the temptation and we fall for the trick, it's okay because we still have an advocate who's Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he's willing to forgive us and he's willing to help us and uh, let us have another chance at life and let us have another chance at that uh, temptation again. And he's willing to help us and guide us through each and every step of the way. And he is the only one who can take away our sins. He's the only one that can help us through the difficult times in life. And so as we close out today, I think it's important for us to remember that, you know, we're never going to be able to fully um, master the devil himself. We're never going to be able to always escape the temptations that we're faced with in life because we're human. We're bound to mess up. We're bound to make mistakes time and time again. But the greatest thing about it all is that we have Jesus Christ who's willing to forgive us whenever we do mess up, whenever we do fall for the trick, and whenever we do uh, decide to lean on our own understandings, he's willing to let us get back up and let us try again. And I think that's such a comforting thing in my life, and and I know it may be a comforting thing in your life as well. And we are always here to help you. We're here to help you to get through whatever you're going through in your life. If you're struggling with the idea of temptation or you feel like you're going through an issue that you just cannot handle on your own and you need to talk to someone, feel free to reach out to us. You're able to reach us through email. Um, You can email preacherwalkerministry at gmail.com and we'll be happy to assist you through there. Or you can call us, text us. We have a phone number. The phone number is 731-439-9671. And there's also links in the description in order to contact us as well. And so feel free to reach out to us. We're here for you. We want to help you. And we also want to make you aware of some positive news. Um, And that is just this past week, we've launched this podcast to a variety of streaming platforms. Originally, it was only on Anchor and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now it's on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, CastBox, um, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, um, and Pandora. So we have this podcast on every single platform just about so be sure to tell your friends about it Um, be sure to let them know especially if they're in need of something like this be sure to uh, refer them um, our way and provide them with the link and absolutely Walker. we we are so glad that we were able to give that on so uh, so many platforms and we we our prayer is that our podcast wherever it goes and whoever hears it is an encouragement is uh, is a source of comfort is a source of strength and like Walker mentioned, we would be so happy to help you in any way that we can. Uh, but that's all we have for this episode. Uh, my, again, this is Isaiah and Walker and Zach signing off. Just remember, God loves you. And we love you. Take care.